0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cubs Corner. I'm Anthony Pasquale, and on today's edition, we have a very special guest, Cubs play-by-play man and one of my mentors, Len Casper. Thank you for joining us today, Len.
1: Pleasure to be with you, Anthony. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. I'm a little bit jealous of you and all the other people that get to go to Arizona, all the nice weather.
1: Well, it's going to be uh, highs in the 50s uh, in Phoenix, which is certainly uh, better than uh, what it's been in the Midwest. But uh, we seem to start earlier and earlier every year. And uh, I've noticed there might be some rain, too. And usually you get two or three days of
0: rain during spring training, so maybe we'll get them out of the way right when uh, the game starts. Are you looking forward to everything this season?
1: Absolutely. This is uh, my favorite time of the year. When spring training gets underway uh, everyone has high hopes uh, that's really the case all around baseball but you know, I think over the last four or five years with the Cubs and, and moving forward uh, y- you should feel very good about uh, what's going to happen uh, it was a 95 win disappointing season last year which is odd to say in a lot of ways but right. I think the way, the, the way it ended uh, certainly everyone was, was pretty bummed but The the Cubs return essentially the same group this year, and I think they're all motivated, highly motivated, uh, with what should be a very strong division top to bottom, not just Milwaukee and St. Louis. uh, But the Pirates finished a couple of games over 500. The Reds uh, really added a lot in the offseason, so I think it's going to be a very interesting division.
0: So my first question is one thing that I know me and a lot of other Cubs fans are wondering. What does this brand-new TV deal mean for you and JD?
1: Well, I think the biggest thing is that uh, we have the same logo in our shirts every day. Uh, that's the big takeaway. Uh, you know, over the last few years, we've been on several different channels, and uh, it's been great being on WGN, which is where I started. Uh, I worked for the station when I was hired. Uh, NBC Sports Chicago which was Comcast Sports Dead at the time I was hired uh, wonderful people there and then uh, Channel 7 has been has been really fun the last few years at, at ABC for about 25 games a year but I think it was going to be the case once we got to the end of the contracts where the cuts were going to be on one station uh, pretty exclusively and so that'll be the case next year and with the 24 hours of programming, uh, there will be opportunities for, uh, you know, a lot of extra shows. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what form those will take, uh, whether I'll be involved a lot with those types of programs or not. Uh, I'm sure I'll dabble a little bit. Uh, so they'll hire some people who will uh, be the studio faces and voices of the network. And uh, I'm pretty excited about being here on the ground floor of something brand new.
0: Yeah, it's definitely something a lot of Cubs fans are looking forward to. I was reading somewhere that Ryan Dempster might have his uh, nightly show, his talk show that he did at convention on the channel.
1: I think there are a lot of great possibilities of things that can happen, and I don't believe any big decisions have been made yet. But you know, the sky's the limit, and if you're a Cub fan, you know, being able to turn on a channel that's going to have Cub
0: programming on. Uh, at, at every moment of the day, I think it's really exciting. I agree. And one of the things last year, you mentioned it was a disappointing end to a 95-win season. And they played all those games down the stretch. I think it was close to, to 40 games in a row. I was wondering how taxing that is on a broadcaster, too. Well, it is tiring. I think mentally, um, more than anything, uh,
1: and, and we had throughout the year a couple of Trips on the road to play one game. We had to go to Atlanta for a makeup game. And then in September, we went to uh, Washington uh, to make up a, a, a rainout from earlier. And, and that's really hard. Uh, usually, when you're traveling uh, during the baseball season, you stop in a city for three, maybe four days. Uh, but when you go in for a one and done and then don't have an off day <laughs> anywhere in there, it is hard. It's difficult. And you know, I really try to eat well and, and stay fit and work out, but sometimes you just literally can't get enough sleep. And uh, I think for the Cubs players, that was a factor for sure. Uh, it's not easy uh, to have that type of stretch during the most important time of the year. And the Cubs got through pretty well. You know, they went 16-12, and 12, I believe, in September. But uh, the Brewers just played out of their minds and I think won their last eight games in they won it, you know. They they took the division, and as hard as it is to do, sometimes you have to tip your cap to a better team. And by the end of the year, the Brewers were well, be arguably the best team in the National League, and uh, ended up getting to within one game of the World Series before the Dodgers knocked them out at Game Seven.
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely something that um, the Cubs might have to go through again this year because if you look at the schedule, they do have a lot of games towards the end of the year. Um, what's, the, what's the hardest part about announcing? Wow,
1: well, the hardest part, I mean, I think it is the travel and the relentless nature of the schedule. Uh, you do have a game the next day. Uh, you have to have a lot of material prepared. You have to be able to uh, adjust on the fly to, to things that happen, you know, 10 minutes before the game starts. You might have an injury and the lineup changes, so there are a lot of different parts to it, but I, I think the biggest thing is just to understand that uh, you have a game every day, you have to be informational and entertaining, and you know, however it goes today, you got to come right back and do it tomorrow. Someone once said regarding broadcasting, the easiest show or the easiest game to do is the first one, <laughs> the hardest one is the second one, because... You know, you got to jump right back in and do it all over again and be fresh and be ready to go. So I've done it a long time. I I love that part of the job, but it certainly is a challenge at times.
0: What is it about the job, specifically the Cubs job, that keeps you coming back year after year?
1: Well, I think it's the best job in sports. Uh, It's the greatest fan base. Uh, It's the best home facility in terms of being able to, to call Wrigley Field my home office, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, Wonderful ownership, great organization. Uh, Everybody I work with uh, I consider very good friends. And uh, we love the city of Chicago. My my wife and I are both from the Midwest. I'm from Michigan. She's from Milwaukee. Uh, We've raised our son here in Chicago. And uh, we, we definitely consider it home. So there's no place we'd rather be
0: and you announced through some of the seasons where the cubs really weren't that good and now you've gotten to see them really turn into kind of a powerhouse in the national league is it harder to announce a team when they're consistently losing or is it just something that you kind of work through it's a little bit
1: of both uh you know there there are some some challenges with a team that's not doing that well you typically don't have as many people watching which doesn't affect the the job we do i always assume everybody's watching and announced thusly but the opportunity you have when your team isn't good is you can you can veer off sometimes and maybe have a little more fun that's not related to the game so to speak and when your team is playing well and the games are all important you kind of stick to the script yeah so it's just a little bit of a different vibe uh when you have a team that's not in it versus one that's in it. But I can tell you every broadcaster would say that you'd much rather uh, broadcast for a team that's in it and relevant and, and playing games that matter because those are the fun ones.
0: On a, on a game-to-game basis, do you prefer like a pitcher's duel or like an offensive battle?
1: It depends. I think there are a lot of different types of really good games, but if I had to pick one – I would say a really good pitcher's battle that includes the starter for one or both teams going into the 7th, 8th, and maybe even ninth inning because that has become a rarity. Uh, We don't see it a lot. We see a lot of pitching changes. So I I really like those games when when a Kyle Hendricks or a John Lester pitches into the 8th or the ninth.
0: Is there a favorite player on the Cubs for you to announce?
1: There's so many over the years to pick. Derek Lee always comes to mind. Uh, I had Derek in Florida and then again uh, with the Cubs and just was a wonderful human being and a great player and the kind of guy you would kind of draw up as as the perfect baseball player, so to speak. Uh, Ryan Dempster is is a great friend of mine. And uh, uh, again, I had him in two different spots. Uh, Among the current group, it's really hard to pick a favorite. Um, But, you know, Rizzo and Bryant... uh, probably come to mind and, and the aforementioned Kyle Hendricks uh, but man I, I love watching Javier Baez and the year he had last year was as much fun as I had watching one player go through a season as, as I'll ever have so uh, that, it's hard for me to pick just one it's almost impossible to do there are a lot of great choices on this current team
0: When uh, when I'm sometimes trying to get some practice I'll mute the TV and just try to try to announced like I'm watching the game, and there was this one time Javi made a diving play, and I was just such at a loss for words. I just stopped talking, and I was wondering if anything like that ever happens to you watching him play.
1: Oh, I'm sure it's happened. Yeah, uh, being at a loss for words is never uh, a bad thing unless you're you're paid to to have words. I guess um, I, he 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 does make me kind of search for the right way to describe it and in some cases I don't describe it because you can't and maybe that's the best way to do it so yeah I, I think it, there are times in, in this game where it kind of takes your breath away in a good way and that's the way it should be and and if you take your fandom out of your broadcasting I think you lose a little something so I don't ever want to lose that part of it you know that that first initial reaction i think jd's very good at that where he'll just have this completely organic reaction that that comes off as a fan and not as a broadcaster and i think fans appreciate
0: that are there any road players that you get especially excited to announce
1: oh sure uh joey Votto's long been one of my favorite offensive players to watch every time he gets in the batter's box Uh, I'm totally fascinated by him Uh, we'll see Mike Trout at Wrigley Field this year Uh, probably not probably I would say is the best player in baseball and has been for probably the last 5 or 6 years we don't get to see him a whole lot so i would be very excited about that and and honestly it'll be neat to have Albert Poulos back at Wrigley Field who had such a great career with the Cardinals and had all those great games against the Cubs we don't get a chance to see him very often and this, week, this year might represent his final trip uh, to AD Field, so I, I think that'll be a big deal when, when the Angels come to town.
0: Is there anything that you and JD do kind of behind the scenes that we don't see?
1: Uh, well, you know, we have a lot of fun. We, we tell a lot of jokes. We uh, you know we talk non baseball stuff. But the, the, the biggest takeaway, I guess, is that we don't overly discuss the topics we will discuss on the air. I think if you get into a conversation off the air that you want to have on the air it does take away a little bit from that on air conversation so if I have a couple of things I want to talk to him about during a game I almost will never bring it up to him before the game. It's much better to get his initial reaction on the air.
0: What do you think is the the best part about this current Cubs team?
1: The best part is all the young talent. Uh, being able to see these kids grow from a very young age, making their major league debuts, and then becoming, in the case of Chris Bryant, the MVP of the league. Uh, Jake Arietta is not a cup right now, of course. He's with the Phillies, but to see... The Cubs trade for a guy whose career had kind of stalled in Baltimore and to have him become a Cy Young Award winner, uh, to see John Lester continue what, by the end of it, might end up being a borderline Hall of Fame career. I mean, there's just so many great stories here. And, and you know, the Baez story, when he came up, he was uh, a guy who struck out a ton, who made great flashy plays, but made a lot of mistakes defensively, and he's become one of the best players in the league. Uh, and has become way more consistent than he was two or three years ago. Uh, that part of watching this Cubs team. And then to see Joe Madden pull all the strings and use pitchers in the outfield and position players to pitch and uh, all the double switching he does and all the fun uh, themed road trips. Uh, uh, just being able to get to know Joe has been uh, a pleasure and I uh, love being around this group every day.
0: How is your relationship like with Joe Madden?
1: It's great. Uh, We talk to him every day before the game. Uh, He knows exactly what we do and the kind of information we need, uh, whether it's for on-air or for background. He gives us a heads-up, hey, you know, just so you know, uh, if we get to the eighth inning today, this is what I'll probably do with my bullpen. Uh, I've got this guy ready to pinch hit in this spot. Uh, He's very open and honest with us, and uh, in that regard, there's nobody who's ever been better. Uh, with the broadcasters. He's just a very well rounded guy. Uh, he and I text a lot. There are things non baseball related that I'll find that I'll shoot him a text. Uh, he's just very open to new information and uh, to, to, to have a lot of fun. And, and I love being around him for that reason.
0: Do you think he'll be back next season?
1: You know, it's a good question. You know, his uh, final year uh, of his five year contract is this year. And I think the entire focus is on 2019. And uh, I think if you asked him and Theo and everybody else, they'd tell you the same thing. That nobody's really concerned at all about next season, that that'll all play itself out based on what happens this year.
0: So I was going to ask you, I know you talked a little bit about it on Twitter, but what do you think of um, the universal DH specifically and then some of the other rules that um, may be introduced in the upcoming years? I think it'll be time. And the DH will happen in the last Yeah there's so
1: much interleague play at this point and I think the players union will want uh, that extra slot, uh, you know, pretty high-paid slot. Uh, I think rosters will expand eventually to maybe 26 or 28. Uh, they'll, they'll rectify the September roster situation which I don't think has, is ideal and, and everybody seems to agree leading the pitch clock as early as this year. Um, you know, whether we'll get to a point where we'll have a computerized strike zone, that's probably gonna happen. And if it's more accurate than uh, the human umpires are calling balls and strikes, I think it's probably a good thing. So we will have a lot of changes over the next uh, five to 10 years of baseball. And I think technology will lend itself to a lot of those changes. And the idea of having as much action as we can and just taking out some of the dead spots that don't seem to keep people's attention which is something that, that baseball needs to consider.
0: And another thing that's been really controversial in the baseball world is the way free agency has kind of been at a stall. Um, what do you think that's all about and if it'll change anytime soon?
1: I have no idea. Uh, I don't think it's good for the game. that Arguably two of the top four or five players are still uh, not in a camp as spring training starts. But there is a collective bargaining agreement, and I think both sides will be playing by the rules of that agreement. And if one side has somewhat exploited that, then they're going to have to figure it out in the next agreement. Um, I don't know how they do that, um, whether it's having younger players before they reach free agency make more money, and so they're not putting all their eggs in the basket of, when I become 27, 28, and I am a free agent, that's when I'm going to make the most money I can make. That used to be the way it worked. It doesn't seem to be that way anymore for some players, that is. Uh, you know, Machado and Harper will get their money one way or the other, but the fact that they haven't signed with a team in mid to late February is a little concerning. Um, so I, I think they'll, they'll figure it out over the next couple of years, and I just hope it doesn't include a work stoppage.
0: Where do you think those two guys are going to end up, Harper and Machado? I,
1: I have no idea, but I think that they'll be somewhere before opening day, and that's, that's imperative. You don't want those guys going into April without without a deal.
0: One of the things about this Cubs team that's been really good is they've had consistent starting pitching. I know last year the, the four and the five was a little bit of a question mark until Cole Hamels came in and kind of righted the ship, but they should be returning five healthy, reliable starters this year. What does that show about a team?
1: I think it could be the strength of the club. Uh, It wasn't early in the year last year with the Darvish and Chaplin issues and injuries. Uh, But I think toward the end of the year, once Hamels showed up, it really, as you said, stabilized things. I thought Mike Montgomery was terrific in his swing role. Uh, Lester was was Lester. Quintana made 32 starts and had a set-par year statistically, but he was healthy. Kyle Hendricks, I thought, had a, a couple of nice stretches that were Kyle at his best. So, yeah, um, you know, health is going to be very important again, and to have Darvish healthy to start the year would be huge. But I think the Cubs are going to rely on that starting staff quite a bit, especially with Brandon Morrow likely not ready on opening day. You want to be able to give the bullpen a little bit of a break early in the season.
0: What do you think is the Cubs' biggest strength? Is, do you think it is the starting pitching?
1: I think on paper it is, yes. Uh, The rotation, I think the potential offensively is huge. Uh, I think it's a very heads-up team in terms of defense and base running. But I I would say on paper the the biggest strength going into the season would be the rotation.
0: Who do you think is going to be the guy who closes games, at least until Morrow gets back?
1: Probably a combo. I think Pedro Stroop will get the first shot at it. Brad Brock, the newcomer, has done it before. Steve Ciszek can do it. I think Carl Edwards Jr. might get some opportunities, but my my hunch would be Scrope would get the first shot.
0: I remember when we talked in the winter, you said you'd like to see the Cubs maybe make a move or two in regards to the bullpen. They have done that uh, with Brock and uh, Cedeno, among other guys. What's one area do you think that uh, they might still need a little bit improvement? You
1: always look for more pitching. Uh, So that's probably the one area where they would do that. Um, And then position player-wise, backup catcher, I could see them bringing someone in maybe to uh, to battle with Victor Caratini, but that's probably it.
0: So you think this team is pretty complete as it is?
1: Yeah, I think it's pretty set. And I I don't anticipate any big moves being made before opening day.
0: Who do you think is going to be the Cubs' leadoff hitter, so to speak? Or do you think it's going to be... Kind of like last year where we might even see Rizzo jump to the first spot in the order a couple of times.
1: I would doubt it'll be one guy, but the candidates would be Zobrist, Hap, maybe Almora on occasion. I still think Kyle Schwimmer could do it, and Jason Hayward has on-base skills too. So they have options, but my, my hunch is that Joe will, will play around with it a little bit, and it won't be just one guy. Daniel Descalzo could do it too.
0: And a little bit of news out of the spring training from this past week is that both David Bodie and Ian Happ want to play a little bit of second base. Who do you think is going to get the most time there? Do you think it will be Zobrist or Descalso or one of those two guys maybe?
1: Yeah, to start the year, I think Zobrist uh, will play there the most. Descalso will definitely get time. Those other guys will too, uh, with Baez for Stewart. And then it, a lot of it depends on the Russell situation. Assuming he's back, then I think Baez moves him over to second base. Javi will play some third, too, and probably move Chris Bryant to the outfield on occasion. Uh, I love the versatility of the roster. I think that's one of the great things about this position playing group is that just about everybody, including the catcher, Contreras, who can play you know, the corner spots in the infield and the outfield, too.
0: Or Rizzo, uh, who can I, pitch.
1: Yeah, right. I, I think that's probably over
0: uh, he got his chance to do it once, <laughs> that's probably uh, the end of it. But just about everybody else
1: can play more than one spot, and that, that gives Joe a lot of options.
0: Aside from the obvious with, with Bryant and Rizzo and Baez, who do you think is a candidate in the Cubs clubhouse to really break out this season? There are a lot of good, good options. You know, Schwarber and Happ and Elmora come to mind, considering yeah. the years they had last year. But if I had to pick one, I'd say Ian Happ.
1: I love his athleticism. Uh, I love his intellect. He's a real smart, cagey guy. Uh, I, I, again, we talked his versatility. He can play a lot of different spots. I think there's a big hunger there for Ian. And he's got a real chance to come into his own. And I wouldn't say he's been forgotten by any stretch, but um, because he hasn't been an everyday player in one position, um, he might not get talked about as much as some other guys. So he can lay off that high fastball, cut down a little bit on his strikeouts. He's got really good on-base skills and sneaky power. He's got an opportunity to have a really good year.
0: I agree. I think I think both Happ and Elmore have a shot to really emerge as the guy who should be starting in center field, but I think the fact that they have that competition is really good for the team. Yep, Bill, no, I agree with you. Um, so obviously we talked about this very early in this podcast, but about the the division that the Cubs play in seems about – just about every team has gotten a lot better this offseason, whether it's the Cardinals getting Andrew Miller and Paul Goldschmidt, the Reds making that trade with the Dodgers, or the the Pirates and Brewers making kind of quiet moves that are improving their team. Do you think the Cubs are still at the top of this division, or with everybody catching up to them, do you think they slipped a little bit, or where do you think they stand in this division?
1: Well, to be fair, I think the Brewers we have the best claim to to say going in, hey, you know, we won the division last year. We, we, we almost made it to the World Series, and, and they, they'll bring back basically the same team. So I, I, I put the Cubs and Brewers at the top. Uh, I think the Cardinals, the way they finished under their new manager and with the odd, uh, uh, off-season additions they made, uh, certainly are very dangerous. Uh, I, I don't see the Pirates necessarily as a division uh, contender, but I see them being a very uncomfortable team to play. And if everything goes right for them, uh, they could be in the mix for a wild card spot. And then the Reds are kind of the wild card team, um, not literally, but figuratively in that, you know, they finished last, they got off to a terrible start. They were not an easy team for the Cubs to play, as as we recall the the sweep in Cincinnati in the middle of the year. Uh, They have a new manager, David Bell. I'm I'm a little bullish on David Bell. I, I like him a lot. He was a Cubs coach you're a very smart guy and I think you'll do a nice job there and then the off-season additions you mentioned um, I, I, I just I think this is going to be the toughest division in baseball and when you play 19 games against the other four teams in your division uh, that, that that creates a big time challenge for the Cubs and for all the other teams in the division so if they all beat up on each other what it means is that you really have to, to, to make some inroads uh, against teams outside of your division and that's Probably where the division will be won or lost,
0: and and reading a lot of the different projections for this season, I think baseball prospectus had the Cubs last in the Central with an eighty and an eighty-two record. Um, what do you make of that? And then, what's your record prediction?
1: I I don't make predictions. It's the toughest sport to do it. Uh, the BP prediction was based on batting runs, I think, and um, so they'll redo their their projection as we get near. Uh, opening day, but I think that their projection is just statistically based on on all the things that we've talked about, including the fact that the division is going to be very good. And, you know, I, I think it could be a very bunched division with everybody within you know, 10 or 12 games. And so the margin for error is very small. And that goes back to Theo's discussion about urgency from day one. And if you win a game early in the season... And, you, and, and you're able to pull out you know one run to, to, to take a game in late April, that might be the difference between a playoff spot and, and going home early.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. It is going to be a really tough division. I uh, When I made my prediction, I had the Cubs actually improving on last year and maybe surprising some people who don't expect them to be as good as uh, I think they will be. I had them winning 97 games. So
1: Great. I'm all for it. <laughs> I hope you're right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, what are you most excited about for this season?
1: I, I'm, just, I'm just excited to get back to work and uh, have some baseball. As I look out my window, there's a lot of snow on the ground and uh, you know, blue skies, green grass. and uh, I'm looking forward to, to how this team responds to an early exit last year. As I said, I think they're highly motivated, very hungry, and ready to get back to work.
0: I look forward to hearing you on all the channels this year, whether it be WGN, ABC, or uh, NBC Sports. Hope your uh, trip to Arizona is safe. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: You got it, Anthony. Anytime, man. Appreciate it.
0: And that's all the time we have today here on the podcast. Join us next week, Monday, for an edition where we welcome Tony Andracchi from Mesa, Arizona, to talk to us a little bit about the Cubs. Thanks again to Len Casper for joining us, and we'll see you next week.